If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah? The book of Isaiah, chapter number 37. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 37. And again, thank you for the lovely, lovely gift basket. Whoever did that, that is, that is phenomenal. I'm taking so many ideas home with me. I'm taking that gift basket home with me. There's no way I could finish all of that in the short period of time that I was here. Uh, Brother Sam Clare says, just leave it for them. No, I want it. I want to take it home. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to have some church tonight. Oh, come on. Say it with a little bit more convincing attitude. We're going to have some church tonight. Now, I'm going to go ahead and forewarn you. You probably shouldn't do this, especially being that it's only my second time preaching at this church. I'm going, to le I'm going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture, okay? And I'm just going to have you remain standing because you're probably going to be seated for a little while and you're going to get your rest. But in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 37, we find a story that is not necessarily too familiar, chapter number 36, rather, that is, is not very familiar just to the casual Bible reader. But it is, a, it is a story, I think, much like that of Judges 19. When we read it, there are profound theological implications. And I cannot preach everything tonight. I have more notes than I have time. But tonight, I really want to, again, do things, do something I probably shouldn't do. I'm going to set out and I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost in the things that I feel to preach from this particular passage. I'm just going to preach. Is that all right? And maybe Pastor Sinclair will have me back in a few more years and I'll come back and finish the word. Is that all right? So here we go. Isaiah chapter 36. Isaiah chapter 36. And I'm going to begin reading with verse number 1. And we're going to read through verse 21. And we have some big words here, so just bear with me. Now it came to pass that in the 14th year of King Hezekiah that Sennacherib king of Assyria came up against all of the defensed cities of Judah and took them. And the king of Assyria sent his general, and I add that for emphasis, Rabshakeh, from Lachish to Jerusalem unto King Hezekiah with a great army. Everybody say a great army. He sent him with a great army, and he stood by the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fuller's field. Then came forth unto him Eliakim, Helka's son, which was over the house, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, Asaph's son, the recorder. And Rabshakeh said unto him, Say ye now to Hezekiah, Thus saith the great king, everybody say the great king, the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? I say, sayest thou, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Lo, thou trustest in the staff of this broken reed on Egypt, whereon if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt to all that trust in him. Verse number seven reads, but if thou say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away and said to Judah and, uh, and, and to Judah and to Jerusalem, ye shall worship before this altar? Now, therefore, give pledges, I pray thee, to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give thee 2,000. Everybody say 2,000. I will give thee 2,000 horses if thou be able on my part to set riders upon them. He's being a little sarcastic there. Verse number nine, how then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? And I am now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it. The Lord said unto me, here's an Assyrian general saying, the Lord said unto me, go up against this land and destroy it. Then said Eliakim and Shebna and Joah under Rabshakeh, speak, I pray uh, thee unto thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it and speak not to us the Jews language in the ears of the people that are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said, hath my master sent me to thy master and, uh, and to thee to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men that sit upon the wall and they that uh, may eat their dung and drink their own piss with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews language and said, Hear ye the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. 
Thus saith the Lord, let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord. You're still with me tonight. Saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus saith the king of Assyria. Just like the devil, just wanting to tell you, don't listen to your spiritual head. Don't listen to Hezekiah, but make an agreement with me by a present. And come out to me and eat ye every one of his vine and every one of his fig tree. And drink ye every one of the waters of his cistern. Just a few more verses here. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own land. A land of corn and wine. A land of bread and vineyards. Beware lest Hezekiah persuade you. Beware lest your spiritual leader persuade you. Saying the Lord will deliver us. Hath any of the gods of the nations delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Harphad, which are the gods of Sarvim? And have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who are they among all the gods of these lands? And hath delivered their land out of my hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. I want you to notice their response in conclusion, verse number 21, the Bible says that the delegation walked away and they had an anxiety attack. Uh-huh, just checking to see if you're listening tonight. Uh, the Bible says that they walked away and they had to go grab themselves some somas and some Vicodin to try to take care of what they were going through in their mind. No, the Bible says that they walked away and everybody say they held their peace. They held their peace. For a little while tonight, I'm going to give you two titles depending on where you're at in your walk with God. But the first title that I'm going to give you is a very simple title. And that is this, let God fight your battles. Look at your neighbor and say, let God fight your battles. The other title that I would like to use for more, more of you sophisticated Bible folks, I want to preach to you from this thought, overcoming Sennacherib. Overcoming Sennacherib. Would you put your Bible down and would you lift your hands and would you pray that God would speak through this preacher tonight? Come on, that's it, church. Will you lift up your hands? I know we've shouted for a long time, and I know maybe you're fatigued, but just for about the next 30 minutes, will you just give God your undivided attention and push into the Holy Ghost? Oh, come on, magnify the name of the Lord. Pray that there be a liberty here tonight in the house for the word to go forth. Come on, speak in tongues right now. Speak in tongues if you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Would you just get in the Holy Ghost? Come on, let the power of God move upon you right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Shando, hallelujah. My God, I feel the spirit of the Lord in here tonight. Uh, God bless you. If you'll help me preach, you can be seated. Amen. If, you, if you're going to just kind of fall asleep, you better stay standing. Uh, overcoming Sennacherib. Let God fight your battles. Let God fight your battles. I love to study ancient kingdoms because really to study ancient kingdoms is to give one proper understanding, especially of the Old Testament, but even of the New. And when you study the Old Testament and you study Babylon, for instance, and you study uh, the hanging gardens and how they were able to to make beautiful, beautiful canals that held one of the most precious commodities that I often preach about, water. It is fascinating to me at least because it lets me know people that lived six and seven hundred years, even eight hundred years before the time of Christ were very sophisticated people. I, I know how we think often of people that lived in the 1800s how they were simple and how they were not, uh, they were not sophisticated. They were not, they were not academics. They were not intellectuals. Uh, but the reality is that, that prior to Jesus' time, the kingdoms that had existed uh, were very, very sophisticated systems. They were very sophisticated governments. 
Babylon was primarily known for their ability to harness water and make it flow through walls and make it flow throughout the land and through the city. And that obviously was able to bring forth very sophisticated life and good culture. And then we look at the next society, and then it's really the one that I would like to preach about tonight. We read about the Persian society. The Persian society was a society made up of engineers. It was a society made up of mathematicians. It was a society that was made up of all kinds of people that had, had specialized areas. Um, they were, the Bible, excuse me, the Bible tells us, that they had a, an exceeding great army. These were men that had perfected the art of making iron weapon, weaponry. They were very skilled on horses, and they were very skilled with bows. These people were very, very sophisticated, to put it simply. And their army was very, very powerful. They did not just charge into war. But they, they had generals that uh, were mighty in council. Everybody say council. They were mighty in military wisdom. And the first thing that, that typically Persian kings, and specifically tonight within the scope of my message, Sennacherib, uh, one of the first things that Sennacherib would do is that he would send forth a team that would be a team of diplomacy. And as I preached this morning, the devil will often try to get you to come to the table and start negotiating. I believe that it was Lucifer that may have even taught these ancient kings how to get uh, maybe peoples that were inferior or people that were weaker, maybe even stronger, to come out of their fortified cities and sit at the table. These were sophisticated, learned, well thought of people that were to be feared. As we read the story and the history of, of Persia, you will find out that they were a ruthless society. They were, not, they were not a sophisticated people in the sense of uh, valuing morality and ethics. They were a people that were, were to be greatly feared. You read secular history and you will find out that the ancient Assyrians were some of the most ruthless when it came to torturing people. I don't want to belabor the point tonight, but I believe it's important for you to understand this. If you're going to understand Isaiah 36 and 37, often the Assyrians would take their captives or their captors back to uh, the, the land of, of Assyria and to the city of Nineveh, and they would cut out their heart while they were still living. They would pull out their intestines while they were still living. Many of them would be skinned alive. These, these were people that were ruthless. Assyria was a powerful society, but it was extremely ruthless. It was unethical. It was a bloodthirsty people. But as again I preached this morning, they were out seeking new territory. And as they are making their way down into what we know to be the promised land, the Bible says that Sennacherib sends his general down to the city of Jerusalem. And there it is that he has surrounded the city. And he wants to take it for his king. Lord, help me this evening to really preach this. Amen. As you gave it to me. Amen. Here he is. He's, he's standing outside of the city. And he does not take and charge the city of Jerusalem. As maybe they would have done in medieval uh, warfare. He does not take and start lighting up canyons or cannons. If he had them, he may have, but that's not what he used. The first thing that we see Sennacherib attempting to do is get the people of God to start negotiating with him. This is ultimately where I need to spend some time tonight. Uh, Sennacherib has his general start to take and try to get the people of God to negotiate. And the first thing that you got to get if you're going to live for God and if you're going to make it through spiritual battle, everybody shout spiritual battle. If you're going to make it through spiritual battle, and boy, are we living in a time and a day and an hour where we are dealing with the adversary. If we are going to make it in 2020 and into 2021, I want to encourage you tonight not to go to the table of negotiation because that's where the enemy always wants to start. The area that he wants to start working on is your prayer life. 
and he starts talking to you just like Sennacherib's general started talking to the delegation and here's what the devil says he says why don't you just take and stop showing up to prayer meeting and stop showing up to outreach and stop showing up to Wednesday night Bible study stop showing up to Sunday morning and Sunday night and if you sit at that table too long you're going to take and start entertaining those thoughts and say you know what my favorite TV show's on and you know what I might as well just sit back and put my feet up on my lazy boy and turn on some Netflix and just watch me some good entertainment I want to preach to somebody today and tell you don't fall for that trick of the adversary if you're going to overcome Sennacherib you better not talk to him you better not listen to him I believe that we are a victorious church but we better never take and sit down at the seat of delegation with the adversary would you lift your hands right now and shout hallelujah Oh, Sennacherib's general starts talking. And, and, and here's, here's the thing that is so tricky. And just bear with me tonight. I'm just going to preach it the way I feel to preach it. I, I just, I'm going to deliver it and then I'm out of here. So you don't have to bear with me much longer. Just, just deal with me for a little while longer here. Uh, but the first thing that the adver- adversary does as he's taking and he's trying to get the people of God to listen is that he starts to try to deceive the people of God. In verse number 7, we see that Sennacherib's general starts opening up his big mouth and charging the man of God and saying, isn't it this king, Hezekiah? He's taken and he's torn down your altars. He's torn down your groves. He's torn down your places of worship. You can read right over that verse and you can think initially that oh Sennacherib's general is talking about uh, worship to Baal and the groves that were there amen to to be places of worship for Baal but that was not the only thing that he was trying to talk about if you've read your Hezekiah history you know that he became or was a righteous king he was one that reinstituted temple worship when all of the other kings of Judah had done away with the house of God Hezekiah said you know what we're going to open the doors of the house of God back up and we are going to go throughout the land of Judah and we are going to tear down watch this uh, we are going to tear down altars of convenience I'm not just going to tear down altars for Baal but I'm going to tear down altars of convenience that have been stopping people from coming to Jerusalem the city of God and worshiping Amen. I I don't know if that really messes with your mind much at all, but it certainly messes with mine to know that Hezekiah had maybe sent out his generals into the land or the city of Bethlehem and his soldiers begin to tear down altars that that were established for Jehovah. That blows my mind. But he had an agenda and the agenda was that I've got to get the people of God coming back to the house of God. I know this is, mm, hallelujah, I felt like, uh, amen, it was going to get a little tight right here, but I'm just going to preach it anyhow. Amen, the devil, the first thing he tries to do uh, is he tries to start talking trash about the ministry. When the ministry says it's time to start coming back to the house of God, it's been a season, hasn't it, where we've had to erect some altars in our own home. We've had to return to back to our prayer closets and thank God for a prayer closet. But your prayer closet was never intended to be the place where you did church all by yourself 24-7, 365. I'm thankful for a man of God that says, you know what? It's time to come back to the house of God. I don't know how it's all going to turn out, but we are returning to worship the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Help me, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. You can be seated. Now, now I got to make sure you got that because I think some of you are probably still scratching your heads because that's how that's how uh, deceptive the adversary is. The devil was actually really telling the truth. 
but he was trying to get the people of God that had come out and that were standing on the walls. He was trying to get them panicked and freaked out. I don't know if you say that around here in California. That's not, that's not a bad word. But they were trying to get the people of God to go crazy. And he starts using some truth to get the people of God to turn their back on their pastor. Ah, you need to hear this preacher tonight. Amen. I believe that we are living very close to the second coming of the Lord. And if there's anything that the devil's going to try to do, he's going to try to get you to turn your back on your man of God. He's going to use maybe even some truth to get you to turn your back, but you better have the word of God deep down on the inside of you and say, I'm not turning my back on my man of God. I'm returning back to the house of God. I sure hope this is all right tonight because I'm just going to preach nasty. I'm just going to give you the word and get on out of here. If anybody tries to attack your man of God, you need to take your little finger and you need to put it in their face and you need to rebuke them and say, this is not the hour to touch the ministry. This is not the hour to touch the authority that God's given us. Amen. He will try to use lies and he'll try to use half truth, but you better buy all the truth and say, I'm standing with the man of God he's going to bring us through this hour come on every person in the church will you lift your hands right now and would you just praise God hallelujah Oh, I'm just going to preach what I feel to preach right now. If there has ever been a day and if there has ever been an hour that the devil is trying to get the people of God to turn their back on the man of God, it is in this season. It is in this hour. But there's got to be some people that are filled with the Holy Ghost, that are wise as serpents, that say, I'm not falling for that trick. I'm going to stay within the city of God. I'm going to stay in the house of God. God, because there's safety. Come on, I'm going to preach until I feel some liberty. I got a lot to preach. Amen. But this is the hour where we need to be lifting up the man of God's hands. And we need to be lifting up the woman of God's hands and the children's hands and say, Pastor, preach it to us strong. Pastor, preach it to us straight. We want revival. We want an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Oh, oh, hallelujah. If you want to win the battle, you better have a man of God next to you that can tell you it's time to fight. You better have a man of God to you telling you how to keep your marriage. You better have a man of God that will tell you how to keep your mind. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm not going to let Sennacherib come in. My, 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 I feel it in this place today. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that we've got a man of God that's not afraid to preach the truth and the full counsel of God. That's not afraid to stand behind the desk and thus and say, thus saith the Lord. Look, your pastor has not brought me in to raise up his hands, but I feel to do it tonight in the Holy Ghost. Amen. I'm thankful for men of God like this. I'm thankful for men of God and women of God like this. That if they weren't preaching truth, they would probably be pastoring thousands upon thousands of people because they've got the giftings and they've got the oratory and they've got the charisma to do it. But he's made up his mind that I'm not going to water this thing down. I'm going to preach the full counsel. I'm going to preach the full truth. Someone hear me tonight. You need to lift your man of God up. And when the devil comes in and tries to start talking trash, you need to say, I'm not going to take and buy that lie. I'm going to You got to watch the devil. The devil's always, you can be seated. The devil's always going to use some part truth. He always going to use a part truth. You see this in Luke chapter 4, and I don't want to lose the plate, my place tonight, but I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. When the devil comes to Jesus, right upon him getting baptized, he's in the wilderness, and the devil doesn't come to Jesus and tell him lies. Uh-huh, he doesn't tell him lies. No, the devil actually shows up and tells him the truth. 
Uh, that's, that's right. He tells him the truth. The devil always shows up and has some truth integrated into what he's trying to sell you. When Lucifer showed up in the Garden of Eden, uh, amen, I believe uh, that the devil was telling the truth. When, she, when he told Eve, if you'll eat of the tree, uh, amen, you're going to see and you're going to know good and evil. Oh, the devil always takes uh, and wants to take and try to cover things up, uh, amen, with some truth. But it's got to take a smart believer. It's got to take a wise believer that says, no, devil, I'm not going to believe. I'm, don't worry, I'm going to move on. Uh, but I'm not going to believe your deceptive ways. Uh, for the devil is a sly old fox. Uh, and some of you better lock him up and put him in a box. Because uh, if you're not careful, he'll destroy your life. Come on, lift your hands right now and praise the Lord. Let me move on here. The next thing that we see happening in verse number 8 is that Sennacherib's general tries to take and start bartering with the people of God. You, you see, Sennacherib wanted the city. He wanted the blessings of God. And to try to get them to come out and take his agreement he tries to barter with him and he says if you'll surrender and if we don't have to fight this thing out we'll give you 2,000 horses everybody say 2,000 2,000 horses amen and he says it a little bit sarcastically because this is just the Brad Allard version you can look at the King James later but he says maybe you don't even have the riders to ride them but we'll give you 2,000 horses and maybe that will be enough for you to give us the city. The old adversary, if he can't get you to start delegating or, or talking with him, uh, and if he can't get you uh, deceived by attacking your man of God, uh, he's going to start making you offers. I want to preach to some young people today. Uh, he's going to start making you offers and say, I'll give you 2,000 horses if you'll backslide. I'll give you a boyfriend if you'll backslide. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you a young lady if you'll backslide. Let me preach to some adults that are single. Amen. I tell you sister, I keep on holding on for the right man that, to come your way because the devil wants to send you some Facebook wonder. Oh, and he says, if you want me, you got to walk away from God. Oh, if you want to, if you want to have a relationship with me, you got to, you got to quit going to that church. What's going on? The devil's trying to get you out of the house of God. But I would not barter with the adversary, sister. I would not barter with the adversary, brother. I would say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, help me right now. Uh, the devil will tempt you, and some people may even fall for it. Uh, but the devil will try to tempt you with money. Uh, and he'll say, you know what? Why don't you come out of the house of safety? Why don't you come out of the house of God? I'll, I'll give you a little promotion. I'll give you a little pay raise. Uh, and before you know it, if you're not careful, you've just made a deal with the devil. And what you called a blessing, uh, God's calling a curse. Oh, hallelujah. You better be careful. You better recognize that not every opportunity is a blessing. I'm going to say that again. Not every opportunity is a blessing. There are some opportunities that are sent from hell. And they're trying to get you out of the house of God. You've got to make up your mind. You can't make the deal sweet enough. You can't make her pretty enough. You can't make him handsome enough. I'm not leaving the house of God. Come on, I come to tell you, how do you overcome the adversary? You got to say, I'm not coming out to your table. I'm not going to listen to your trash. There's times I preach this way, uh, and I can tell not just here, but I can tell a lot of places uh, that many of us can just sit back and, and act like we have not been tempted to, to walk away from God and turn our back on God. Uh, oh, why don't we just be real and transparent tonight? Uh, the devil is working overtime to try to get you out of this place. Uh, he's trying to tell you all kinds of stupid lies uh, to get you out of the house of God and get you out from submission. Uh, but you've got to make up your mind. This is not the year to backslide. This is not the year to throw in the towel. I'm going to hold on with everything that I've got. 
Come on, quit entertaining the deal. Quit entertaining the deal. Quit entertaining the promotion. Amen. If you'll be faithful, I believe God's going to promote you in due season. But you've got to keep on holding on. You've got to keep on holding on. Come on, lift up your hands right now and send up a shout of praise. Come on, let there be an intensity right now that's unleashed in this church. Come on, I feel something breaking right now. I feel something breaking right now. Come on, take dominion and authority and say, no, 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 I'm not going to entertain it one more hour. Come on, I'm not, I'm not moving on until we break through something in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, every hand raised. Come on, every voice lifted up. I've got a lot more to preach, but we're going to break through. And we've come to serve the adversary. Notice we're going to win the battle. Come on, that's it, sister. Get in the Holy Ghost. Somebody get in the Holy Ghost. Come on, the devil's not going to have your home. The devil's not going to have your finance. The devil's not going to have your peace of mind. You've got to serve the adversary. Notice tonight, I'm making it through with my hands held high. Come on, I, I'm going to preach here in just a few more moments, but come on, someone stir it up. Come on, somebody stir it up. Come on, I feel something breaking. I feel something breaking in somebody's heart tonight. Be seated. There's so many things I could preach. I'm not saying this to be crude. I'm really not. I, I'm just, I'm just going to, let me just deal with this and then I'm going I'm to move on. There's some language here that, that we're uncomfortable with. I'll be very honest with you. I'm a little bit uncomfortable even using it in the pulpit. But, but, but it's, it's in the word of God. Oh, Rapshika. All you Jews standing on the walls of Jerusalem. If you will not hearken unto my words. This is just like the devil. You will eat your dung and you will drink your piss. It's in there, folks. I'm not, I, I'm not trying to just be crazy tonight. I, I, it's in the book. Listen, that's just like the adversary. He starts threatening you. He starts threatening, threatening you uh, and saying, if you don't surrender and if you don't walk out, you're never going to get married. You're never going to find yourself a man. You're never going to find yourself a woman. If, if you don't walk out, you're never going to get a better child. You know what you need to do is you need to tell the devil, you need to go on back to hell. I'm not going to take and eat my tongue and drink my piss. Uh, no, I'm going to stay in the house of God. Come on, I feel something breaking in here right now. I come to tell you, you're not going to lose your mind again. You're not going to lose your marriage again. You're not going to. Oh, if you'll walk out right now, if you'll just walk out right now, I'll make sure, I'll make sure you're never addicted. But if you stay in that church, I'm going to bind you up more than you ever bound before. That's just the, the way that the adversary works. But you need to say, no, no, no. I found a fountain in the house of God. I found waters in the house of God. That's refreshing. Someone shout tonight, shut up, devil. Come on, look at your name and say, shut up, devil. No, 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 don't do that. Be seated. Some of you looked at your spouse. Lord, help you. Shut up, devil. I'm not listening to that. Now, for, for those of you that have not always lived for God, just hear my testimony for a moment. 
pastors is probably the same. To my knowledge, I've done some stupid stuff, especially in my younger years. But I have never made a proclamation, I am walking out on God. Never, never have I just said, I'm backsliding. Now, there were times I, I may have thought, my daddy may have said I was backslidden. If you know what I mean. But it was never in me just to say, I'm walking out and never coming back. I've been raised in this thing. I don't know what it is to smoke a cigarette. This is my testimony. I, I've never had a drink of alcohol that I'm aware of. Unless someone put it in my drink. And I think I would have recognized it. Never had a drink of alcohol, never smoked a blunt, never took an injected meth. But even with me, the devil will show up from time to time and he'll say, if you keep on pushing like this, if you keep on trying to have revival in the Bay Area, I'm going to get you, buddy. I'm going to get you real good. I'm going to cause you to be all messed up. And the devil starts pushing and he starts intimidating. He starts dropping thoughts in your mind. And before you know it, you're starting to deal with the spirit of fear. You're starting to deal with the spirit of anxiety. And you finally have to come to the place that you come to yourself. And you say, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to eat my dung and drink my pee. For God has protected me. He has sustained me. And God's going to bring me through this. Why do I say that? I say that to let someone know that hasn't always lived for God. Even people that have served God for a long time still have to deal with the adversary showing up and saying, I'm going to take it all. Well, i got to tell you today, devil, if you take it all, i still got Jesus. i still got salvation. I've still been blood washed. Come on, lift up your hands right now and give God a shout of praise. Come on, I feel something breaking in the Holy Ghost tonight. Oh, overcoming Sennacherib. You be seated. Give me just about ten more minutes here. I think I can get this thing wrapped up. So here comes the delegation. Back to the king. King, we didn't talk to him. We didn't say much to him. We just held our peace. And we wanted to come back and report to you. The Bible says that they told Hezekiah, the king, a righteous man, everything that Sennacherib's general had been saying. And Hezekiah, even though his God be God, did not just sit back in his lazy boy and say, well, God's going to fight our battles. Up to this point, at least from what I can see, at least in this particular setting of Scripture, Hezekiah is a righteous man. He makes mistakes. He, dumbs dumb, he does dumb stuff, but he's a righteous man. Hezekiah, here's what he does. He puts on sackcloth and ashes. And the Bible says he goes into the house of God. And he begins to repent. That's the first way you got to overcome the devil. You got to get to the house of God and you got to put on humility. Say, oh God, you got to wash me with your blood again. But as he's repenting, he looks over at Elkanah, I believe it is. And he says, I want for you to go get me the preacher. Uh, some of us, we like to fight battles all by ourselves. But there are some battles where you need the man of God to show up and speak a word. And here's the king, Hezekiah says, you go get the man of God and you tell him to come here because there's some prayers that the man of God can only pray, that I as king cannot pray. And they hurried on up and they went and got the man of God, Isaiah, and they brought him unto the house of the Lord. And by the time he got there, Isaiah began to prophesy judgment upon the Assyrians. Just stay there, man of God, if you would. Hezekiah doesn't try to fight the battle by himself, but he wants the man of God in the middle of it. I need you to get that. He wants to bring the man of God, amen, into the battle that he was dealing with politically. Amen. Some of us, we are so uncomfortable getting the man of God involved in our life. It's, it's really important. I believe it's imperative that, that there be times you call on the man of God and say, Pastor, I need a word from God. Pastor, I need you to pray a prayer that I can't pray. And Isaiah begins to prophesy judgment man of God you can be seated Isaiah begins to prophesy rumors are going to come 
And so Sennacherib is going to hear, Sennacherib is going to hear of rumors. And the man of God prophesies. And sure enough, here he is. The old general and the king, they begin to hear. They begin to hear rumors. They hear rumors that other people are, by, are fighting. There's other battles taking place. And they lose their focus. The devil can't stay focused too long. He always has to get his eye on something else. But after the man of God takes and speaks the word, the situation, it, it's kind of sad. It doesn't get better. It actually gets worse. The old Assyrian king writes a letter. He writes a letter and he sends it to Hezekiah. And the letter says essentially the same thing. I'm coming for you and I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to lead your people back to Assyria. There's no way that your God can deliver me. There are, there's no way that your God can deliver you. There's no way that your God can set you free. Oh, Sennacherib put it in the form of a letter. And they brought that letter to old brother Hezekiah. They brought it to him and they said, oh, king, here is what Sennacherib's been saying. Now, this is very important. The Bible says that Hezekiah took that charge. He took that report. Get this right now. He took the report of the adversary and he went back into the house of God and he laid it upon the altar. And he said, God, that's your problem. That's not my problem. He's charging you. He's not charging me. You know what some of you need to do with your doctor reports this week? week you need to bring them to the house of God and you need to put them on the altar and say I know what the devil's report is I know what the doctor's report is I know what the therapist's report is but I choose to believe the report of the Lord can I preach to someone tonight that needs a miracle? I want to buy. I would not buy the, the report of the devil. I would not buy the report of a cancer report. I would bring it to an altar. And I would say, I'm, I'm going to choose to believe the report of the Lord. Lift your hands right now and praise the Lord. Look at the report. Here's what the devil does to you. This is where condemnation comes from. Look at the report. you got to see the report. You're not going to make it. You've done things that God's unwilling to forgive of. Right there, look at the report. You've just been diagnosed with heart issues. Look at the report. There's no way that God can kill. How many thousands of people die every year because of heart and cardiovascular disease? Look at the report. You know what you got to do with the report? You need to say, I'm going to take the report into the house of God and I'm going to say, God, I believe you're still a healer. I still believe you're a miracle worker. I still believe you can deliver and set free. Oh, come on, someone that's just been diagnosed with terminally ill disease. I've got good news for you tonight. There's a healer in the house. There's a bomb in Gilead. Here, there's a great physician that can still heal cancer, that can still heal diabetes, that can still... I'm overcoming Sennacherib. I'm overcoming the devil. I'm going to fight the way that God intended for me to fight. For the weapons are not of my warfare, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Oh, Isaiah, Hezekiah puts that before the Lord. He says, God, you got to look at that. Just stay standing. I'm almost done. God, you got to look at that. You got to start praying different. God, that's what the world says. God, that's what my, that's what my husband's been saying that our kids are never going to come back and serve God. Uh, God, that's what the therapist says. The therapist says, I'll never have my right mind back. Here's your, here's, your, here's your medication. This is the only thing we can do for you. You need to bring that report to the house of God. You need to take your medication until, but you need to bring that report before the Lord and say, God, that's what they said, but I still believe. I said, I still believe. I still believe that you are in the miracle working business. Come on, lift your hands and pray right now. I'm not done, but come on, just get in tune with God. Come on, break, 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 break. Come on, break, 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 break. Come on, pray, pray, pray.
Oh, Hezekiah brings that report before the Lord. And he says, God, you've got to answer. God, you've got to work. And here comes the man of God yet again. Get this. Here comes the man of God yet again. I believe, I strongly believe in, in spiritual authority and spiritual headship. I, I know I've already said it, and I don't want to be too repetitive tonight, but, but you just hear this, this preacher, and, and, and this is right. This is so right. But there are some things that only the man of God can speak into your life. Come on, am I, a, am I in a church that believes that this evening? There are only some things that the man of God can speak into your life. And so here's Hezekiah. He's on the altar praying. He's got this little letter from Brother Sennacherib. Not really, but uh, the, the devil Sennacherib. And here walks in Isaiah. And Isaiah starts prophesying yet again. Oh, and when the man of God prophesies, devil, you better watch out. Oh, I believe that devils tremble when the man of God starts operating in the prophetic. I believe in the prophetic office. I believe we have a prophetic man of God that knows how to get in tune and hear from the Lord. And when you start hearing that voice, there's something that changes. I, I, I've been around him enough to know that there's something that changes when he goes from just being a good teacher and a good preacher to operating in the prophetic. I've been around men of God that, that you can kind of mess with them when they're not operating in that dimension. But when they start operating in the prophetic, you better back off because they're going to be used to God in a mighty way. Isaiah began to operate in the prophetic and announce, pronounce judgment yet again upon the people of Assyria and upon the army of Assyria. And here's the army as Isaiah's prophesying. I believe maybe at least according to my study and my reading of scripture that this is happening in the middle of the night. And as Isaiah's prophesying, oh hallelujah, here comes the angel of the Lord. I didn't read this for you this evening, but I want to preach this for a few minutes. When Isaiah's prophesying, the angel of the Lord shows up. I wish, me, I, wish I had a good knife tonight. Anybody? Got, I'm in Indiana. There's a good knife in the house. Hey, I'll take the small one. Yeah, why not? I'm not going to stab anybody. Thank you, Pastor. As the man of God started to prophesy, the angel of the Lord began to make his way throughout the camp of Assyria, just outside of the city of Jerusalem. And for the last several days, at least according to my study, the devil's been out there intimidating the people of God. But while the Assyrians are fast asleep, they're trying to get their rest because tomorrow's going to be the day of attack. The angel of the Lord comes throughout the camp and he slays 185,000 of those Assyrians in the middle of the night. When Rabshakeh opened, opened his eyes the next morning, he could only smell death. He hollered out at his lieutenants and nobody showed up. He walked out of his tent maybe and started looking around and the Bible says that all he saw was dead corpses. You need to hear this preacher tonight when the man of God begins to prophesy something's about to happen when the man of God steps into the dimension of the prophetic something's about to happen you're not just a believer you are a saint of God that's under spiritual authority and that's not a liability to you that's your greatest asset because when the man walks out of the prayer room he's walking in the prophetic and he starts speaking things to your adversary that you know not of I want you to know tonight that there's some under the sound of my voice the only reason why you're here is because you had a man of God prophesying thank God for a brother Bingham thank God for a bishop thank God for a pastor that said you know what we're not going to take it we're going to prophesy to the drug addict that they're coming home we're going to prophesy to the backsider that they're coming home and as they, as they prophesy the angel of the Lord begins to make war against the adversary my 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 Listen, I've said all of that tonight to say this. You gotta learn to let God fight your battles. You gotta learn to be still and let God take over the storm. You gotta learn to sit back and say, I'm gonna trust what God wants to do. I believe that if somebody tonight would just say, I'm gonna hold my peace, I believe that God's gonna fight your battles. 
Come on, lift your hands right now. And would you begin to prophesy in the Holy Ghost? Would you begin to pray in the Holy Ghost? Come on, you need to pray until you've got liberty. You need to pray until you've got deliverance. You need to pray until you've got freedom. My, 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 come on, lift up that, come on, turn up that intensity right now. 185,000. I said 185,000 people were killed. I want you to know tonight your cancer's not too big for God. Oh, your heart issue's not too big for God. Uh, your ex-husband that's trying to get back into your house and keep on abusing you, he's not too big for your God. Uh, oh, there's nothing that's impossible with Here's what I believe happened. And I'm just going to, actually we see it in the 38th chapter. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, I believe that old Israel got up that next morning. They felt a stench of death. And they walked out to that wall and looked over. And they thought, my God, what has happened here? 185,000 dead Assyrian corpses. How did this happen? And Hezekiah came out of the prayer room once and for all. And you can go read it in the 38th chapter. He said, it's time to sing a song. I said, it's time to sing a song. I don't even know if Hezekiah could sing like the sons of Korah. But he said, it's time to sing a song. Crank up the music. Bring out the praise team. For God has slayed our adversary. I know some of you think singing is just... It's just some kind of formality. Honey, when you begin to sing, uh, the devil doesn't like it. Uh, he doesn't want you singing. Uh, he doesn't want you shouting. Uh, because it means that God gave you the victory. I'm about to get out of the way and we're going to lose ourselves in worship. I mentioned it this morning. It was about, it was about two or three months ago that our dear governor, Brother Gavin Newsom, said y'all can't have church inside uh, you can't do it because it's dangerous you need to go outside you can have some church outside oh but he said there's one thing that we need you to do he says we need you not to sing you can't sing you can't sing you can't sing uh, some of us need to get the revelation that old Newsom has and that is there's power in our song I said there's power in our song when you begin to lift up your voice and you begin to say can't nobody to me like Jesus I believe you're telling the adversary you're not getting me now you're not taking me out I'm coming out on the other side Here's what we did when old Newsom said you can't sing. We said we're going to sing anyhow because you don't know like I know what he's done for me. You don't know like I know. Oh, Newsom don't know that God delivered some of us from drugs. Newsom don't know that God delivered some of, some of us from homosexuality. Newsom don't know that God delivered some of us from, from alcoholism. And devil, you're not going to take my song. I said, devil, you're not going to take my song. I'm going to keep on singing. I'm going to keep on dancing. I'm going to come on somebody right now. Let loose. Let loose. Let loose. Let loose. Let loose. Well, can't nobody do me like this oh can't nobody do me like the lord can't nobody